This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. Now, an in-depth look at the news and information shaping our community. This is Moose Talks with your host, Doug Craig on Moose FM. Welcome to the show. A little later on, we're going to be uh, chatting with Spencer Hall, EnergeticCity.ca's investigative reporter, all about his latest article about healthcare in the North called Code Grey, Rural Health Shortages, a Historic Issue. But first, the North Peace Community Foundation's work has been underway for several months now, and probably even longer. Uh, So to find out more about how that's been going and all that good stuff, uh, and especially how they can help you and nonprofits in the community, we're joined now by the Foundation's Executive Director, Susan Adams. Welcome back to Moose Talks. Thanks for being here this morning. Thank you for the invitation. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. So, uh, as I said, I mean... I don't have the exact date on me, unfortunately, but it's been this year kind of since the foundation started taking over, you know, the the role that the city once played in grants and aid and this sort of thing. Uh, How's things been going since that started earlier this year? Things have been going really well. So it's been about a year Mm -hmm. um, and we've gone from developing policy and doing all of that background work that goes into building a nonprofit organization um, to actually having two open grant programs right now, which is quite a feat in and of itself for Mm -hmm. a charitable organization. So we're pretty proud of that. We've moved on from our inaugural board and are now welcoming community members to apply for positions uh, either on our board of directors or on committees so that we can truly be a community-led organization. If people are interested in the opportunity, they can find more information on our website and an application form at northpeacecf.com. Very cool. And that's, that's anybody in the community who lives in the North anybody Peace, in the North Peace region. You bet. Wonderful. Really making it. I think uh, I think the uh, mayor, Lori Ackerman, really said this was taking uh, the power of the money kind of doling out out of the hands of politicians and right into the community, as she said. Absolutely. Yeah, right. they'll be the decision makers and be guiding the vision for the foundation in the mm-hmm. coming years. Now, if I remember right, um, uh, the sort of plan is that the city still giving money to the foundation but it's going to be self-sustaining in the future is sort of the idea correct you're absolutely correct yes so the city is going to continue to fund what would have been their base budget grant program Mm -hmm. it's now transitioned over to the community foundation we call it our grants in aid program Mm -hmm. Um, so they're still providing the funding right now for that and Local nonprofits and charities are eligible to apply for up to 95% of their municipal portion of the property tax bill mm-hmm. or for programs that they would generally apply to the city that um, they would be delivering to residents of the city. I see. Has the process changed at all other than they asked the community foundation now rather than the city? We ask a few more questions on the on the application form, but uh, the application is pretty much exactly what they've been filling out for the past few years. Mm -hmm. Uh, The criteria is the same criteria. It's just the foundation is administering those funds now and cutting the checks. Okay, and I think you mentioned it already. I want to specifically talk about tax exemptions because there's been a few. you know, nonprofits who have been holding fundraisers lately, who, uh, you know, talked about tax taxation being an issue for them. Um, that's something that the Community Foundation can now do is provide those exemptions that the city was once doing, correct? Uh, 
A little bit correct. Yep, okay. absolutely. So the property tax exemption program um, historically was just an automatic exemption and uh. municipalities would participate or not participate. For the past few years, the city of Fort St. John has not participated in that. Mm-hmm. And there were various reasons, but it really came down to um, the city of Fort St. John taxpayers sort of being double dipped in mm-hmm. order to make these exemptions happen. Um, so they pulled back and said, they would rather cut the check for their portion of a property tax bill. Um, is still about three quarters of a property tax bill that comes along. The only thing that would be excluded would be um, the Peace River Regional District and the Provincial School. I see. Those are the only exclusions, really, to the program. And um, the city also has said that they would start to sort of peel that back about 5% per year until 2027, when it will be at 75% funding. Mm-hmm. The ideal is, is that us as the North Peace Community Foundation can go out and raise funds to make up that difference and to be able to help those programs out. So it gives us a little bit of time to build up some funds, build up those grant monies, while the city's still supporting those groups at the same level they've supported them for the past few years. I see. So the idea is, in theory, a nonprofit could just have this transferred over eventually all the way to the foundation providing the funding to to cover the tax, essentially, in the way that the city was before. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, what about uh, grants and aid? And uh, I, I get mixed up with this jargon as I don't know tons about nonprofits, but is, is that the same sort of idea as a tax exemption or does that have a broader sort of application to? It is a bit broader. Yeah. Yes. So um, our grants and aid program that we have this year, uh, the, there are the two city streams that would people would have normally applied for either their property tax grant or program grant through the city. So as the foundation, we've just called that a grants in aid. I see. So we at minimum expect to see people apply for up to 95% of their property tax for our nonprofits and charities. Um, But if they have a program that they're looking for some help with, this is a good opportunity to ask for those funds as well. I see. Okay. And I want to make sure I mention the neighborhood small grants. I know uh, we've talked about this before. Uh, it's a very cool program. And uh, with Christmas coming up, this could help a lot of people and, and nonprofits around town, couldn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. So just a clarification, nonprofits and organizations can't apply. Oh, yeah. this My is, apologies. This is, no, no, that's okay. <laughs> this is This program really lights me up because this is for individual citizens in the city of Fort St. John to apply for micro grants from $50 up to $500 to be able to meet, share, celebrate with their neighbors in their neighborhoods. Okay. So it may be uh, Christmas um, decoration making, it may be caroling, it could be trying a new sport in the local park. Uh, we Some of the ideas that have already been approved, which are really exciting, and I'll just go to my list on this because uh, we've approved a few now. So some of the approved projects right now include a community holiday swap and trade mm-hmm. within a neighborhood, a book and seed library that somebody has um, kindly offered to put on their property, an old school bulletin board at a strata, and a Christmas decoration event in a particular block in the city. So the project ideas have been wonderful, creative, exciting. Um, and it's really about creating those opportunities. So mm-hmm. the question that I've been asking uh, everybody, and I'll ask your listeners today, is 
what would you do if you had $500 to create a sense of community in your neighborhood? Um, and there's still lots of time to apply. Applications are going to be accepted into December or when the funding runs out. But um, at this point, there's still plenty of funding available. So I hope that people, again, will go to our website at northpeacecf.com. You can find all the application details there. Um, very easy application process. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't mind, would something like, um, and there's lots of enthusiastic decorators in this town for Halloween, Christmas, whatever it happens to be. Is that something that could be considered for this? If you if you like to put on an elaborate lights display, which people will come see, for example, in your neighborhood, is that something that they could apply for $500 to help them do that? Absolutely. As long as their neighbors are in- invited to participate and mm-hmm. celebrate with them, absolutely. Very cool. What a very cool program. All right. Uh, so once again, um, applications for kind of everything here deadlines all that good stuff what are we looking at for if whether it's grant and aid all that kind of stuff is that passed for next year already for the big ones or uh for the grants and aid applications are still open until the end of business on monday until the end of business on october 31st we expect a few more to trickle in over the next couple of days but the bulk have already come through for neighborhood small grants, uh, the application has been extended into December, mm-hmm. uh, so we're we're getting there. It'll, we'll hopefully have some very exciting announcements soon. Excellent. All right, Susan. Well, I really appreciate you making some time to uh, come chat with us today. Thanks, Dub. Do you mind if I just speak about one of our local nonprofits who've had oh, some exciting things happen? Please, let's do so. Yeah. Thank you. I want to talk about our seniors' association and mm-hmm. the seniors' hall. So with the changes to the property tax program in the past few years and the effects of COVID on their activities. Um, They've really increased their fundraising and their profile in the community. Um, They've had some great corporate support over these past few weeks. And I I would even go back to a GoFundMe that they hosted a while back. Um, And they're really enjoying that. I had a visit with them yesterday. They're quite thrilled with all the support. We also talked about an opportunity that may be available for local nonprofits and charities to operate the good old game of bingo bring their volunteers rent the hall from the seniors and operate bingo so if anybody's interested in that i encourage them to contact deborah wendy at the seniors hall find out more information Um, but there's a great opportunity to bring the game back to town excellent all right very good to know Uh, again the website for people who want more information about the foundation northpeacecf.com All right, Susan. Well, thank you very much for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Doug. You're very welcome. That's uh, Susan Adams, the Executive Director of the North Peace Community Foundation. We'll be right back to chat with Spencer Hall all about health care in Northeast BC right after this on Moose Talks. Welcome back to the show. I'm Dub Craig. Now to chat about his latest article on healthcare in Northeast BC. This one is called Code Grey, Rural Health Shortages, a Historic Issue. We're joined now by EnergeticCity.ca's investigative reporter, Spencer Hall. Spencer, welcome to Moose Talks. Thank you. Uh, longtime watcher, first time sitting in this chair. <laughs> you had to take a long walk from the office. It was, just it's it's a perilous journey every time, but I'm so <laughs> glad that I was able to make it in today. Well, thank you very much for taking a few minutes uh, for us. So why don't you first tell us a bit for people who are like maybe surprised that we have an investigative reporter who never heard about this uh, uh, before. Tell us a bit about your role here at Energetic City. So um, after we did a bit of a survey, it kind of uh, came out that, uh, you know, folks in the community want to see these more uh, investigative stories, which Mm -hmm. are different uh, from, say, daily reporting, because you can actually sit there and like kind of do a deep dive on an issue, um, which is 
very helpful. So normally you're, you're doing a lot more research before, whereas, you know, with daily reporting, like you'll do research and obviously everything's correct, but normally you're writing from releases or you're just, it's a very, uh, uh, I don't want to say shallow, but you know, it's not very in depth. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's it's kind of more quicker process. You get the story out same day. Or yeah, and it, day. it is incredibly important. I don't want to you know lessen the the impact of of you know daily reporters, but uh-huh. it's uh, it you do more of a deep dive on on things. Absolutely, and as I mentioned, I mean this is your second story now in this series called Code Great about healthcare in the Northeast. Uh, I wonder why that was the first kind of subject you decided to start covering in your capacity uh, as an investigative reporter. Well, you know, we'd heard a lot of stories from uh, from residents and, um, you know, we'd have people reach out and heard a lot of stories in our community. And, uh, you know, growing up in the north, uh, I'm from Terrace, so I was aware that, you know, healthcare, uh, there's long wait lists. Yep. Uh, and, you know, there's just it's uh, and, you know, not to lessen the people that work in the healthcare system. They're they're working as hard as they can, but it, it becomes more of a systemic issue. It's not someone's not doing their job. Yeah. It's the fact that it's been like it's just been like this in the north pretty much the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we felt like it was something we definitely should be looking into then that it was the first because healthcare is such an important issue, especially right now after, you know, it, it seems that we're out of a pandemic. So yeah, absolutely. Um, and your first piece came out last month. Uh, what kind of response did you uh, get and hear from that? It's been largely positive. Um, people have, uh, you know, come up and said that, you know, it was it was well-researched, which is always great for me to hear. That means I did my job correctly. But, uh, you know, we did get, uh, you know, some people who are saying, you know, we shouldn't be speaking about these issues. And they're worried about us retaining healthcare workers in, in our community. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, unfortunately, that's not really, you know, it's not really my job. My job as a journalist is to inform people about the issues that are going on in our community. And by not reporting that... Uh, you know, our job is to inform, and ultimately, I stand by what I reported. Yeah, because I think this—it's not like this subject. There's no secret that there are challenges to healthcare in Northeast BC. We see people bringing it up on Facebook every other day in this town and and beyond. So this is more: can we ask the people in charge, the stakeholders, the workers, the yada yada, their views on it, and and maybe get a sort of better idea of maybe what the problem is and perhaps even what the solution might be, I suppose, eh? Sometimes, yeah. It's not, it's a little bit more complex than that because I can't, um, just with the the rules that are kind of in place right now, uh, Northern Health, uh, healthcare employees currently aren't covered by watchdog protection or or, sorry, whistleblower protection. Mm -hmm. So I can't walk up to a nurse and ask, but you know, there were kind of ways around that we found around that by, you know, talking to the BC Nurses Union and and that. Uh, So yeah, it's uh, it's been a challenge, but it's been really rewarding at the mm-hmm. same time. Well, speaking of that, I wonder if you can speak sort of to the research that goes into this piece and this sort of larger story and narrative that you're crafting um, and the people you have been talking to to uh, in order to research the articles. Absolutely. So the first uh, first article really kind of focused around a call for an, uh, an independent audit of Northern Health. So in that story, we talked to a lot of local leaders um, as well as, you know, healthcare advocacy groups, uh, health officials. Uh, we tried to talk to the Ministry of Health, uh, but they were in the process of uh, unle- uh, unleashing, uh, unveiling their, uh, it's like a 70-point uh, healthcare resources, uh, basically how they're going to recruit and retain across the province, but there were some points that were specific to the north. Mm-hmm. I see. Okay. And, I mean, I know that part of that, too, was that there was a, 
and I'm blanking on who exactly who was on it, but there was sort of a, a council or, or a group forum that was sort of advocating for this, that we need an audit of Northern Health instantly. And I know that played a big part in the first uh, article, too. Yeah, initially it was uh, the Peace River Regional District had asked uh, for kind of more um, uh, clarity into how funding was being done. And also they were hearing complaints from healthcare workers as well. So uh, that audit request was denied. Mm -hmm. Uh, So then the Resource Municipalities Coalition, which included uh, Mayor Ackerman, uh, Taylor Mayor Rob Frazier, who of course now is the mayor of uh, uh, Fort Nelson, and then uh, Gary Foster uh, was also part of that. And I believe Joan uh, Joan Atkinson, who is the mayor of McKenzie. So Mm -hmm. all of these, uh, you know, communities in the North Peace uh, were asking for this audit. Um, and I think at this point, uh, that it just hasn't been uh, answered by the ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we've got this brand new article. It dropped yesterday. Uh, it seems to be about the history of this, uh, these challenges, I suppose, in Northeast BC. Tell us a bit about uh, that and maybe even what some of them might be. Yeah. So, um, you know, upon looking at uh, the archives that are available in the Fort St. John North Peace Museum, uh, you can just walk in. Anybody can go up and, and walk in there and read them. Uh, it showed that we've, uh, you know, this isn't the first time that uh, folks in the North have had to grapple with a healthcare worker shortage, uh, dating back to like 1974 and mm-hmm. then kind of onwards. Uh, and then kind of looking into that further, uh, I was finding studies of uh, rural medicine in BC, particularly in the North. And these issues are not, not new issues. And I couldn't find anything to say that they'd ever been resolved at any point. Um, so really, um, you know, Fort St. John, when we started, we had a 10-bed, well, initially it was a two-bed hospital. Then that quickly got, uh, you know, bolstered up to a 10-bed hospital, which was actually, uh, you know, staffed by, I believe, the Sisters of Providence. So those were our nurses, and then we had one doctor. Uh, and then, it kind of, of course, it's kind of grown from there. But there's always been, the community's always been growing, and there's always, the healthcare workers have never grown to keep up with that population growth. And you just, you kind of see it, it doesn't it doesn't ever seem to get to get better. So mm-hmm. um, a lot of that is how we try to recruit uh, rural healthcare workers, by which uh, it often it's you try to recruit uh, somebody who's grown up in an urban uh, community. And of course, it's completely different when you were work or sorry, well, when you work and live in a, a rural community yeah. going from uh, an urban community, there's just differences. So normally, uh, I think we had a rule once where doctors needed to serve, I think, five years. Uh, and then you would find, uh, you know, they, they'd leave after that five years. And now it's two years, I believe. Uh, I and, and people usually leave after those two years because it's it's just different when, than what they expected. So really, from what I can tell, it's um, and a lot of other folks have said this, is that we need to be training rural people for these rural health positions. Because mm-hmm. they're already here. They already understand sort of the small town ethos, lifestyle, whatever you want to call it. And as such, they'd be perfect to kind of take on these roles say exactly and and the ministry and northern health ha- is now aware of that uh in their most recent presentation to the chamber of commerce they are having a you know rural resident like a rural mindset when it comes to hiring so you know there are initiatives that are you know kind of embracing that it's just now seeing if they're going to work mm-hmm. okay uh plans for future articles in this series and beyond can you uh give us a taste of what that might look like yeah, so this series, we're, uh, we're going to take a bit of a pause at this point. Uh, we are talking to you know patients, and the difficult thing with that is uh, there are a lot of people that do have stories, but it's finding the documentation to kind of solidify that. Yeah. Uh, just because I don't want to go reporting on something that, you know, I don't have, I don't know if it's true or not, which yeah. not to say that people, that, that it's not true, it's just there needs to be that documentation to back it up. 
so we're going to take a bit of a pause on Code Gray at this point while we kind of gather that information. Um, and there's a few uh, ideas in the hopper. I don't want to give too much away, but sure. there, there will be an article next month. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to working on it and looking forward for uh, folks to read it. Excellent. All right. Well, as I said, the latest article, uh, Code Gray, uh uh, rural health shortages, a historic issue, has dropped. You can check it out now at energeticcity.ca. Or if you're one of our subscribers, uh, you had access to it a couple days ago, so you can check it out there. It is well worth your time to read, and uh, it'll take you a few minutes. So sit back with a cup of something and uh, enjoy it if you can. Spencer, thank you so much for taking a few minutes out of your busy day to, uh, to chat with me today. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Our thanks to our guests, Susan Adams and Spencer Hall, for joining us today. You can keep up to date on all local and regional news uh, news now at energeticcity.ca you can also have all that news delivered straight into your email inbox daily by signing up for the newsletter at energeticcity.ca slash newsletter we also offer a peace politics newsletter which is specifically about all the political machinations of councils in uh, the north uh, peace region including fort st john city council the prrd and beyond uh, so make sure you head over to energeticcity slash newsletters and sign up today. That's the show. Trey Lopashinsky and Jordan Prentice are the producers of Moose Talks. I'm Dub Craig. Be well. Thanks for listening to this energeticcity.ca podcast. Energeticcity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to energeticcity.ca slash join.